Hello and welcome to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. My name is Jason, uh, the captain of the cavern, Kirk. Um, and uh, I am here for, um, again, like how many times in two weeks have you guys heard my voice? This is awesome. Zero. Not for me. This is the first. This is the first time for you, Simon, but you never be there. Zaramis is back on the podcast by popular demand. Um, I think it was Pear Banana Mobile. It, it's uh, actually from several different uh, places. A few people have yes. said, yeah. Um, wanting the meta episode for season 22. And this is what this season is going to be. And we've also convinced Carl to um, uh, put some clothes on and come on and uh, join us as well. How are you doing, Carl? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good. I think I, I might um, be on my way to, to getting sick. But but so far, Just I'm... Just before uh, you go into America, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is the time, right? Yeah, exactly. Still have some, yeah. some weeks, so yeah. better now than, than yeah. that, I guess. As Zara, sorry, I've just completely passed over. How are you? Like, you, 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 I was you've just had, going to say it's hiatus. Yeah, it's, it's great to get all this attention on me right as I return. Like you rather talk about Carl being sick than saying welcome back. You know, it's. Uh, I just want to point out he's actually wearing clothes this missed. time. It's just yeah, the fact he's wearing clothes is a is a big thing when we're doing the podcast. Now, see, now he's talking about Carl again. I I get it. I get it. I I'll just uh, we you can't you can't just go and... away and then just walk back in and everything's like normal again, <laughs> is it? You know, you left us. Yeah, three episodes. Hello, everyone. My name is Simon or Zaramis. I was gone from the game a little while, calming my emotions, dealing with some things, uh, game wise. But now I'm back because season 22 calls. I took a break for one season, but you know, there's just something about talking about deck strategies and meta calls and new demands on a hexad lineup that just calls to me like a magnet in outer space or a clarion call or a lighthouse whatever metaphor you want <laughs> someone says ha oh, what six decks should i pick and i'm like wait what who hexad yeah exactly and he's back in the game yeah to be fair we all we all knew you'd be back somehow um someday yeah when you Maybe refuse not so to soon, buy my decks but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you did, did not high buy price. my decks. When you don't, when you don't accept fifty crowns for um, Helena, then what are you gonna do? Helena is a novelty now. She she's not the trustworthy win it all deck that she was. Yeah. Not with all these berserkers and prospectors and all bullshit lying around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like most uh, objects in the museum is still like worth something. So like yeah, right, if, right. It's know. its value yeah. is gonna go up. I heard there was a SAS update as well. And do you know what that SAS update did? Nuke your decks. Lower no. everything. It uh, nuked a lot of decks, as you probably know. It Are you talking about the most recent decks. one, or is this the one the, from a the few big months one. ago? A few the months big ago, one. I think. Yeah, the big yeah. one that, that uh, ruined the entire top of, of people's deck lists. However, I I was annoyed to begin with, but I'm quite happy with it, because I feel the there's a more accurate... It's, it's more accurate now. Well, I, I tend to agree, because Amar is still at 102... Sass. Yeah. If we ignore so, worlds of, if we ignore uh, winds of exchange, it's in the top ten decks in the entire world, and I yeah. opened it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And it, and it's even sweeter that you open a deck like that. It makes it's so, so absurd, especially yeah. since Gunnarvuk had the chance to pick that deck, and we both knew it was hundred and two Sass, but it had fared so poorly in our internal tournament. <laughs> That we both laughed at the novelty value, and he skipped it over, and he's still bitter no. about this. How much did? Because you, you you told me you were playing, you played a lot of Windsor Exchange at the weekend. We're gonna. Yeah. How, was he still talking about it then? Yeah, yeah, every time. Yeah. But the funny every thing time. is that I also passed it over. We passed it over like five times before anyone picked it, and I was like, "Ah, fine. I guess I'll take the weird hundred sass yeah. deck." And that has actually proven to be much better than any of the other decks from that same tournament. Amar mm. is back, baby, because Winds of Exchange has really brought it to the top. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that brings me right. on to this. Yeah, exactly. It brings me to my uh, Forge Knight. See? I've come back reformed. Wow. I, I did not expect you to take that intro into Forge Knight and actually use the word 
It's oh. like Simon Mark II. It's like I'm, a new improved uh, My version. evil twin, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Derek. <laughs> From Sunset Beach, a great uh, series back in 1997 or so. so. Yeah. Okay, so then, Derek, how was your Fortnite? <laughs> um, well, I will explain the way I got back into You have game. two minutes. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to sit here quiet for one and a half and then start talking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, me and Wick had decided long, many, many months ago to do meet up and play Winds of Exchange once the, we got our displays. And we finally got them, you know, only, what is it, four months after they said that we would. And we decided on a time. And I was like, yeah, I guess if I'm going to play this, I, I should learn the set a little bit. I should test the deck or two. And then I went out and like I started playing a bit of Amar. I tested some of my old decks just to get a little acquainted with the deck because I had pe- barely played Winds of Exchange. And then we played over the weekend. He was here for two days. We just played so so many games. We played like 40 games of Key Forge over two days. Um, and uh, I realized that, that I don't miss... A lot of things about Keyforge, but I did miss sitting, sorting through decks and wondering, is this deck good? And then playing them against myself or playing them against a friend and choosing lineups. So I even joined back into the NKFL just so I can choose a lineup. I don't care so much for the games. <laughs> I just want to choose a lineup, man. Like ana- analyzing mm. decks and choosing a lineup. That's where it's mm. at. The rest is a chore. Mm. <laughs> so would, would you all be for like a shorter season then if it was, you know? No, because 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 then you no, get you, you get to choose a lineup more often if you have shorter yeah, seasons. Yeah, but then seasons. the choosing the lineup has less of an impact. Like yeah, if you choose lineup, play one game. Choose lineup, play one game. Then we might as well have like uh, I don't know practice games. No, I I don't even like choosing a lineup for practice games. I think that's boring. I like choosing a lineup when it has real impact. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. That was my fortnight. I, that was fortnight, and you kept it within two minutes. Well done. And we keep it. We, we Let keep me your tell you about this game because I made this play. Okay, that was... where's that mute button? <laughs> 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 Do you remember what happened last time? Um, yeah, we're gonna talk. We wanted to give a lot of this episode to the meta and season twenty-two, and do a bit of review there. So um, yeah, we're gonna kind of move we should on have quickly. Some kind of like music, you know, as they have on the Oscar uh, or. Uh... Like uh, Emmy <laughs> Awards or something, they have this yeah. uh, orchestral music starting to play when someone is <laughs> taking a bit too much time. Oh, uh, that, we speech. should have that. We I mean, it will yeah, constantly yeah. accompany Jason. Like this music will be in the background <laughs> all the time. I'll just take it as my kind of you know my entrance music, really. Yeah. <laughs> and Jason's like, I don't get why this music is playing in my background all the time. The, the, just the, dramatic music for the episodes the, are ruined. And Jason just talks more loud. He's like, well. Well, there was this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, you want to try, Jason? Moment. Two minutes with your own Fortnite. I was going to let you go first, but I can go there. Um, I have oh. been. My Fortnite has been um, pretty good. Played um, some uh, more in real life IRL KeyForge with some uh, with some friends. Even so, that I got a friend to stay up, stay. Uh, an hour later at our gaming group on Monday night, just because I wanted to play another game, Keyforge, opened up a new another Halifest deck with a uh, Robnar token. So that was great. However, the other two houses sucked. So my excitement went downhill yeah, very quickly. Um, I've been uh, obviously spending a lot of time on the on the podcast and content creation. Um, I opened up a, a Vietnamese deck from Emperor Riku on uh, my channel uh, the captain's deck which was a lot of fun um if you get a chance to go and see that and i've been spending some actual time planning my lineup more time than i normally do and i feel like i've got more um, yeah more uh more decks than six you have like seven decks in your lineup much better than everyone else No, I've got more choice. I feel like I've actually, it's not just I've got six good decks. It's actually, I've maybe got about 15 that could be good enough now. And it's just about choosing the right one now. So I've got one place left in my lineup, which I'm trying to get down um, as well. So yeah, we're doing that. And um, like I say, the the last episode took a lot of energy 
um, as well. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, you probably have done. Some of you, this could be your first episode after that one, after we spoke to Michael Hurley um, about the Game Found campaign. Um, it's currently at 335,000 now. We're not going to go too much into that. Um, but um, yeah, we are... Um, I've been I've been trying to get involved in trying to be positive around that um, as well. Babe, so two minutes. My... Wow, I, I, I got more in than I expected. I did. Yeah. yeah. And the nice thing shocker. is that you guys can't mute me, so I could just carry on talking. And uh, so the rest of my um... <laughs> I just play some music here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Carl, you go. Two minutes. I think I can be done in like two seconds because I haven't really played uh, a lot these last uh, two weeks. Um, Just been packing uh, for America. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I realized that I, I've been signing up again to too many like small uh, tournaments or uh, keyboard related things. So I have just uh, like a lot of games that I need to, to plan around uh, every week, which is a bit stressful. And, uh, and now NKFL is starting as well. So I haven't really had time uh, to look at the, um, uh, to look at the lineup or anything really. So um, yeah, I'm here to, to listen and learn basically and hear what I what mm. I should think about. Uh, this nice. Is, so, uh, so that means I can mute you now for the rest of the episode. And yeah, no, because I will have interview questions. Sorry. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. but Carl just wants to listen, and so he doesn't need to talk anyway. Yeah. No, but we will make. I think talk. it's nice to have some uh, like a voice that, uh, like, uh, asks the stupid questions or uh, gives the stupid answers, and I can be that voice tonight. Oh no, that's my role. That's normally and my role. Come on, what are you doing role, to me? But... <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I borrow the role tonight? <laughs> yeah, go on then. I'll try and I'll try and say something intelligent, um, as if I'm you know the Swedish <laughs> champion. Right. Um, yeah, but cool. Let's let's get into it then. The 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 meta of season twenty two in the NKFL. What's what's it looking like to you, Simon, who's just come back onto the scene? All right, Take here it comes away. a little drum roll. Welcome to Meta Watch for season 22 of the Nordic Keyforge League. Oh, I am Zaramis, and with me are two newbies. <laughs> barely know anything about the game. So we will start off with some basics that you listeners might not know because it was a long time since we did this. The NKFL is the hexad format, you probably know that. Six decks, a ban. A safe deck, you ban another, and you play three out of the four remaining decks. This means that unlike many Archon strategies and so on, your decks don't need to be able to do everything. You can have, you will always have one deck that you do not play in any given match, and you will have two decks that you are not allowed to play. This, even compared with formats such as Triad and so on, where you usually end up having to have three decks that, that are fairly similar. Hexad gives you the opportunity to use different lineup strategies. The most simple and common one, we have gone through this before, but I'm just going to give it a very quick rundown. The most common one, I would say, is called the Solo Archon strategy. It means you take six of your best decks, you put them in there, all of them are just your top six, and you play them and you hope for the best. That strategy works exceptionally well. If your six decks are the best decks in the world, then you will probably win everything. If they are very, very good, it usually works as well because they all have like small weaknesses and so on, but none that really enable the opponent to outban you. A uh, different kind of strategy is to try to narrow your bans down to certain things. For example, especially before Winds of Exchange, there were some that like brought very heavy board decks, but they were lacking in uh, creature control, for example, or you brought rush decks, or you brought decks that had a similar strength. That meant you could focus your bans on decks that counter all of your deck. Instead of banning that deck that counters that deck and so on, you could try to put in two bans that would give you an overall better lineup chance. And those are the two like major kind of strategies. There are many ways to work around them, but they are the, the dominant strategies. I've tried both. I've had great success with both as well. Some leagues went great with just the overall all-star lineup, and I had at least one league, and I know 
Algernon had a pretty good league as well with a very focused strategy where you try to just go hard at one thing. Yeah. And I think that for players with weaker collections, the focused strategy has certain like benefits. Yes, you will probably not win the entire division, but you might not be relegated because you keep keep going up to these. You both bring the same kind of overall good deck, but they just have a better deck every time. Instead, you can actually try to maneuver your ban strategy into catching some wins because you're exploiting a weakness. And before Winds of Exchange entered the scene, we had a very dominant meta in the NKFL. They were the same sets that had been dominant for a long time. And we saw, you could say, two or three fairly dominant deck archetypes in the top. One of them was the sort of Zoom MM archetype that had a just a million draw pips, quite a lot of Ember pips, and some utility cards. Uh, they are often some of the highest rated decks, highest SAS decks, made famous by, for example, Gorlami or Dick Rowland and a couple of others that had these exceptionally good decks that just every turn meant playing more cards than your opponent because they had so many draw pips or so much efficiency in various ways. So you just drew the same cards over and over. Then there were the strategy of Rush that came up to sort of counter some of these MM decks because they just tried to do the Ember gain even faster. Thinking that other decks wouldn't have time to bring a lot of counterplay, people brought Rush, which was one of Hydro's initial climbs up to or staying in Diamond for a while. Then we had the Crush strategy that is primarily targeted board decks. It was essentially you board wipe, you board wipe, you play pips, or you board wipe and just gain Ember, making sure that you don't have to have a board strategy at all. You can just gain Ember, kill whatever the opponent is doing. That was your play every turn. And these were fairly dominant, uh, but some ways to exploit them, which I used a lot, was for example, to bring extremely heavy protected board strategies. Some of my heavy board, I, I know my last season had like four board decks or something like that, that did very well. And it forced people to ban very awkwardly if they didn't have enough C. Now, however, the meta has shifted. Winds of Exchange is on the scene. So I'd like to ask the two of you, what are your initial impressions of what works and what doesn't? Jason, what have you? What are your experiences with Winds of Exchange as far as meta or like what decks work? Has any deck fallen off completely from your collection or how does it feel? Yeah. Um, when I was planning for the um, the Swedish Nationals, I was testing, I tested about three or four different decks against a friend of mine who was playing an old deck of mine that I decided I, I gave to him and I didn't think was good at the time, which was basically a coat of rush. And it always fell short every single time to this Kota rush with lots of steel. Um, and every time I was like, I just can't deal with how I couldn't deal with how quickly he was gaining Ember. And the same happened at Swedish Nationals. I the two games I lost were against Roger Schrubber, who again very quickly. And I it was I, the deck I had was very. Um, I feel in, in in Winds of Exchange, there's a lot of... Um... Just, just asking for clarification, did you play Winds of Exchange? or I played or... Winds of Exchange deck, yeah. Right. I played Winds, right. Winds of Exchange deck. It was a Prospector deck, um, which was very high in... Um... Crap, what's the word I'm trying to think of? My mind's gone blank. Um, unfathomable do it. Um, like, Disruption. So I was playing it very, very high in disruption. And so I was able to do a lot more against Roger Schrubber. But up against Hydro and his rush deck, it was just like I just couldn't do anything um, against that. And I felt like that was the biggest thing. And a lot of people did take Winds of Exchange to Nationals. Um, well, I, say, I saw more than expected there. And like I say, the winner of Swedish Nationals in the Archon, Carl, what did you have? I had Kota. You had Kota, exactly. With, well, not so much Rush, but lots of Steel. Um, 
And so I kind of felt like it Windsor Exchange was trying to be clever, but it's still not dealing with the simple basics of Keyforge in in that way. That's just how I've kind of felt about it. You've you've got to do work a lot more to get certain things done. At the same time, if you get a big board, you can just reap out and get loads of stuff if people don't have anything to deal with it. So Again, maybe the crush decks are something. Just going from what you were talking about, Simon. That's that's kind of some of the feelings I've got already from what you've just said and from my experience so far. Right, Carl. Even if you haven't uh, played a lot, what were your what were your thoughts? So maybe you went through it yeah. a lot in the, the, the nationals episode, but from a strictly, did you plan for the Winds of Exchange meta? Did you choose it with that in mind, or? How, how yeah, I certainly had it going. had it in mind, and I think I agree with Jason that I think that the earlier sets have um, been rising a bit, like in, in strength uh, now with the uh, Windspeed Change coming into the scene. Uh, I think Kota uh, does very well with um, uh, like it has the speed, it, it pressures, it also has uh, scaling and control, which the later sets like MM uh, lacks a bit. Um, uh, so I think MM is falling a bit uh, behind. Uh, it struggles a bit uh, to face Winds of Exchange. Well, I think uh, uh, it does better uh, versus Kota. Uh, but now that uh, a lot of people are playing Winds of Exchange, then fewer will bring uh, MM, which means uh, Kota and uh, even AOA is getting even, like some AOA, uh, archetypes in a way, are getting... Uh, even more uh, uh, powerful. Like um, uh, I also think there are quite a few decks in uh, in Kota and AOA, AOA that doesn't really care about its own board, and a lot of Winter Exchange decks uh, want to have opponents' boards to fight into, to gain Ember from, um, stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, and DT was never good anyway, so. Oh, don't even start. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna bring a DT deck this season. But uh, I'm looking at a second DT. Yeah, I know they I, they exist, but they are. I'm gonna bring two actually. But uh, that being said, so y we could summarize that Winds of Exchange has basically. Would you say that it demands that you that you have like a heavy creature control? Does it demand it, or is Russian equally good? strategy in your experience to to circumvent the need for board clears uh, i don't think it demands um, it demands i see um but it demands some kind of way to like uh, disrupt the board or um, um i mean you, you maybe you need some kind of C, but it's not like it demands board wipes or whatever. Uh, yeah. The the deck I played the nationals, Burton, it doesn't have a lot of C. Um, it doesn't have like uh, mm. board wipes and stuff, uh, but it, it has ways to remove like specific um, threats on the board or to exhaust and doing that while pressuring fast with your own uh, ember. Uh, I think that's uh, that's key. I also think the scaling ember control that a lot of these decks have is a threat to uh, a board that could ad otherwise like reap out and, and yeah. go extreme high in, in ember uh, versus uh, the threat of TM2P or whatever. Um, then you have to play more conservatively if you are the world deck. Mm. So that also helps. I've because uh, just. Once again, speaking to to people who might and or might not be entirely familiar with how we think or I think that this has changed the meta, but in Winds of Exchange, you often see this big board often either needs fighting in many of the strongest Brobnar decks, just as you all said, or just makes all these tokens so you can reap out for six or even eight or ten. But as we know, it's a game of Ember, not board dominance always. And if you can just take all the Ember that they just did. And give it to yourself instead. It doesn't matter if they reap, reap out again, and so on. If mm. you if you keep having those heist decks, and I've actually seen a lot of people talk about bringing how heist has become stronger, and heist decks being decks that primarily get their their win condition by stealing or taking the opponent's ember in some way, and how that has really risen 
in strength because of the massive ember boosts that the winds of exchange can do you could say that mm often had a very solid ember gain because you often had pip based strategies so you you continuously created a little bit of ember every turn and then you often the best decks often had a key cheat and and so on while winds of exchange has a much more bursty you have some cards that produce it all or you reap out with all of it it isn't so much this steady constant mass pressure of both creatures and a bit of ember and a bit of and disruption and so on that that mm often presented so mm had a much smoother curve in how a game went the best decks did it very quickly but they did roughly the same thing every turn a woey deck has a lot more swingy turns as many have have mm. said and that's also been one of the criticisms against the set that some matchups you could win a matchup and feel super dominant and the next matchup you could lose the exact same matchup enormously because mm. of the swingy cards get made into token or just doesn't come at the right time and that is something that can be exploited a little bit by having these counter cards that specifically counter the the one win con of the game. Yeah. However, those high stacks and so on were generally made weakest by worlds collide board based ward based strategies traditionally. There was worlds collide that came in and sort of dominated the mm. Kota meta there before mass mutation. Would you say that that Jason, for example, would you say that is board viable to play into Winds of Exchange? Could Worlds Collide be something here? Or is Worlds Collide too weak to the Winds of Exchange fight strategies that, that exist? That's a good question. I don't know. Um... Because we saw a very typical but extremely good Worlds Collide deck win. What was it? Which Voltour was it? it Jack Ombre. It won two Voltors and yeah. uh, Nationals in the US. Yeah. Yep. So, so it this... won every, uh, every single big tournament it played in this, <laughs> this yes. season. Yeah. Um... I, th I think it, and I, th I think you need board against some board against Woe um, because you need some way to counteract the the board spam that does actually happen. This is my opinion. Um, yeah. I feel like you need to, you need something to counteract that. But at the same time, like having going up against, for example, a Halifest with two Brick Nasties that give you an extra two Ember for fighting, um, that's probably not the best. Strategy I think I think uh, Shack is a very interesting deck to look at from this because it doesn't have any artifact control. For example, it has zero artifact control. Is this, the, is this the Winds of Exchange deck that won everything? No, no, no. This is the World's no, the, the, Collide deck. World's Collide deck. The, it's the Nova's, uh, Nova's deck. Yeah. Yes. Triple, right. triple Odewak the Patrician, Triple yeah. Edi, Double Infernus, Greater Oxted, Double XU. Yeah. Uh, so it's all based around these strong creatures that, that lock down the board one way or another yeah. and Imperium to protect them. Yeah. And It sounds like the Odewak is very important there up against... Wowi, I guess Wowi, it's incredibly yeah. important, I would yeah. say, because many of the strongest Equidon strategies are all steel-based. Yeah. Um, and it only has Gleeful Mayhem, Phalanx Strike, Axiom as its board wipes. So clearly, the the force of its defensive strategy and grindy strategy can be enough to to dismantle all these Wowi decks, because some of these top six were or top eight were dominated. They had like six Woe decks or five Woe decks and so on. Yeah. And this deck came out on top. <clears throat> and I th I think that it might be uh, a sleeper strategy in the NKFL as well to take a good look at these decks that became worse against MM Crush. Mm. But might actually have what it takes to stand up against Woe creature spam. Yeah, um, I would say that that like uh, I know Jack won uh, its World's Collide deck, but World's Collide have uh, other than Jack uh, with this, which is a like incredible deck, but also highly unique. Uh, I don't think World's Collide have been doing that hard at all. No, um, so other than that, I also think like as you said, Jason, I don't think uh, you do require board. I think um, uh, I actually like the fact that some of the uh, especially Kota uh, 
decks can play without board. I think it's a liability, uh, for example, in the uh, MM decks that have all of its efficiency is in creatures like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Kirby's or uh, Cronus's or whatever. Or Fandangles, uh, yeah. Yeah, and like you need those creatures out on the board in order for them to do anything. And that uh, can be a liability versus a lot of Vodex uh, that wants you to have creatures to fight into. Um, so mm. I appreciate uh, the earlier sets that can play, uh, like that has the flexibility to play very low, uh, like keep a small board, mm. uh, maybe one or two creatures, maybe no creatures at all uh, sometimes. Uh, to If you play versus Mars, for yeah. example, that wants you to capture on your own. Um, so just the versatility of uh, being able to produce Ember while keeping maybe yeah. no board at all, I think, yeah. is quite, uh, quite I, good. I, I, want, I want to bring us back to specific NKFL strategies, because we've discussed a little bit how we impacted the meta in general. But I would say going into the, the current season, I think some trends will become apparent. I think you will see fewer decks with hard R. Because there are many WoE decks that don't have it. Uh, I think that the era of this, that amazing artifact control that MM had will diminish a little bit by the inclusion of Worlds Collide or uh, Winds of Exchange. That is one of the trends I predict. We'll see if that, that fits the bill or not. I think we'll see a slight increase in creature control. I think we will see less efficiency index in general, I think we will see uh, efficiency as the most important stat will probably fall off a little bit. And Ember gain will increase. These are my my, uh, predictions. What do you say? Do you agree? I think that sounds uh, likely, yeah. Uh, I think with uh, the prediction of uh, fewer MM decks uh, in general, Mm. uh, I think MM also has like... uh, Maybe the, the the biggest uh, artifact lineups, uh, artifact that can be really problematic with Jar or Dav or whatever. So I think with fewer such decks around, I don't think people will prioritize uh, no. R as much. And uh, yeah, a lot of people, especially for this season, will want to try their new uh, Winds yeah. of Exchange decks. Maybe in the season after this, when we see some kind of like. Uh, who knows if uh, we will see less of Winds of Change uh, then, but for this season, I think we will see quite a few uh, Winds of Change decks in pretty much uh, yeah. all lineups. So, uh, and and those in generally have quite high Ember um, uh, gain, uh, yeah. especially. So, I think yeah. that's uh, that's likely. I think so. I think, and I've seen I've seen people talking about. I know um, Astron, um, who used to be known as um, Anxious Pirates. Yeah. Um, he's mentioned it, and other people, other people have mentioned that AOA is actually becoming a bit more relevant in the meta now. That their AOA decks are actually performing a lot better than they used to um, before. I think it's hard to to speak about AOA in general because the AOA decks that are good are so incredibly different because they're all like these anomalies of the algorithm mm. that AOA produced. Because saying that AOA is good is like, are you, are we talking about Genka? Are we talking about like these uh, super rushy, weird, uh, glimmer <laughs> nature's call strategies? Mm. Are we talking about the rare decks that had a bunch of Exhumes and Ronnies? Because they're that deck has so few cards that are really powerful that you would need these almost mm. stacked decks that have, yeah. and they're very different depending on which combination of those cards you would say. Um, mm. But if I were to forge a new lineup for this league, I would just go through a little bit of ways to think. So one idea could be to look at those decks that have powerful artifacts, but lose if they get like artifact controlled, you maybe actually those Ethan's decks might be better to include again going into Woe, for example. Maybe Quixelstone. I think Quixelstone will be a very powerful tool going forward. And I think oh, that yes. Quixelstone decks might have an uptick in power. They were already pretty annoying to face and people banned them a lot. And I think that if you have good Quixelstone decks, looking at those as either something that people have to ban or 
just a deck to, to use. Yes, tokens can be created, but only being able to create tokens and not play any creatures is also a pretty big downside for most WoE decks. I think steel protection, if you have good decks that can somehow protect Odovax or uh, Discombobulators and so on, will rise a lot in value. Equidon has some huge steals um, with mm. multiple different ways to steal things. Just be careful with their swaps so they don't swap your steel protected yeah. uh, things. You might need several uh, several Odovaxes or something like that. I think that is also something that, that you could look at if you're if you're choosing between a couple of different things right now i would as usual prioritize key cheats i would prioritize steel protection i would prioritize good artifacts all those things are things that will rise in value in the upcoming meta yeah and i will I personally, for example, I, I don't mind saying what I will be bringing, but I have decided to go for a dual-focused strategy this season. I'm essentially bringing three Rush decks and three Ultra Crush decks. Um, at least right now, that's what I'm looking at. Like Three decks that don't care so much about the board that will be able to produce so much Ember, and at least maybe two of them will also have key sheets that they can immediately pull off every game, essentially. And my three other decks will have these 25C slow disruption uh, that will just keep the board completely clear. They will have Quixel Stones, they will have lots of artifacts, they will have, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically artifact-based. You won't have any creatures out, and sooner or later I will, I will take control of the board. <clears throat> Sounds uh, lovely. Glad I'm not in your division. Um, so i have abandoned my board strategies i've abandoned mid-range i'm going either you have to flip a coin and you face a rush deck or you face a deck with 25c and just infernuses and purging that's uh that's my goal this uh this season because i think that those decks have what it takes and they all have artifact control i think as well most of them will have hard artifact control as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because I'm predicting that this these are the things that I will need to use. And it will make, if people want to ban a deck they hate in that lineup, it gives me quite a lot of freedom to know what my, sa what my save should be. Say that they ban one of the decks that is a rushy deck. Then I basically know that they will probably try to ban one of the other ones as well. And then I don't need to protect the third rush deck. All of them will do its job then I will just protect the best of the other decks. Um, mm. So it will, it's an easy, when you go 3-3, three, three, it's very easy to ban against because people can ban two of your three decks. But if the other decks are good enough, I, I it also removes an entire part of their strategy. Say that they ban my two, two of my three rush decks. Then I know that I will be playing my my high C decks and I can ban accordingly from their from their lineup. Yeah, like in theory, if you play versus a very focused lineup, uh, they get to remove two out of three. That of... is good against them. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. I don't think people will have very focused lineups. I think people will have the best of their woey decks and some of their mm. old good ones. Mm. Yeah, I, that is... I think that might be might be true. But I agree. If if I expected to face very focused lineups, this would be a shitty strategy. But I think that this is the season where we are least likely to face very focused strategies, especially in the higher divisions right now. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting yeah. as well this season when we have uh, like a record-breaking uh, league overall. We have yeah. uh, an entirely new tier at the bottom. So, so many uh, new players to the league uh, that have never played before. And uh, obviously, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how those new players are forming their lineups um and i mean we could have very different uh, size of collections as well too so uh well it will be interesting to see yeah. how so many new players and how they will how they will form their their lineup choices for this season my uh i just looked a little bit at my my uh, ember gain numbers here i have one deck with 36 ember gain nine speed 
Then the next one is 29 ember gain, 13 mm. speed. <laughs> and the next is the 32 ember gain, uh, but not so yeah. much speed. <laughs> it's like, uh, I've, yeah. it's the highest by far of E that I've ever had in, a, in an NKFL. <clears throat> yeah. I was quite uh, worried at the, uh, after uh, after last season where my lineup did did well. Um, just like how would it deal with the uh, wind speed changed entering? Uh, do I need to swap out uh, quite a lot? Uh, but I found like in testing that uh, my my decks do quite well versus wind speed change, which makes mm. me question like how how much should I uh, change <laughs> change this around? Um, right, right. Yeah. I think I I would have preferred to see like maybe. The hex are growing into an octad or whatever because I feel like I, <laughs> I have too many decks I want to I want to play because um, I want mm. to swap decks out but I struggle to find like good swaps uh, this uh, this time around uh, mm. so I'm not sure yeah I've been wanting to I think looking at the lineup that I've written down so far I've gone for actually a high C overall high C and at least eighteen on the expected ember um depending on where everything else mm-hmm. lies so decks that can rush um i i, I want to keep some of my actually i'm keeping four from last season um and sw- i'm wanting to bring in two wins of exchange and i think just because to see okay what are the two wins of exchange that i think can go up against some of the better decks out there, um, and then again, I'm 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 I'm, I'm prioritizing expected Ember and creature and 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 C and creature control. Yeah, maybe we're all doing just the same thing, and uh, yeah. we'll have to see where. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's the thing. I look looking at that all ones all decks that I just know that I have been playing and enjoying that I just know that can go off, but. I, the, a part of me, a part of my brain, still thinks actually, how much can I rely on my woe decks? How much can I? So like get, decks that have multiples of some of the important cards, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm thinking are more reliable. So maybe those are the woe that I should be taking because if one is a token, then the other one, you know, two auction offs or um, those kind of things. Because so many times I found a good deck, but then it just you know, when it has a bad day, it has a really bad day. Yeah, I I am sort of leading the the Dwoe decks. I am looking at for for my uh, upcoming season are pretty much decks that make as few tokens as possible. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. It, I think that is a um a good. It, it's either as many tokens as possible or. As least persons, tokens as possible, or as many as possible, so you rely on what your tokens are doing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it becomes about the tokens. Yeah. So, like, just a, a board of warriors, because you know that you're going to be able to get that many out. Um, but I did, uh, I did uh, learn like uh, <laughs> a few few days ago. I played a game where I where I learned like uh, there is also the case of too many tokens uh, possible. <laughs> I played a deck, uh, and I was building so he- heavily into token generation. Then in the end, I had like a board of uh, twenty-one tokens or something, hmm. and my opponent just yeah, but you can just use six of them, which is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can only use six, and all my other like utility cards are made into tokens. So even if like rip for six, uh, that is helpful. But that stage of, of the game. Uh, maybe um, that wasn't really like the best. Uh, I think so... that is one of the biggest reasons why the Prospector is uh, one of the, the by far best tokens is because it's one of the yep. few tokens that does its job even when you have more than six of them. Totally mm-hmm. agree, yeah. Uh, and I think that that's what wasn't really seen at first, that, oh, tokens are great, but only one of the tokens really, uh, that one and the Cadet as well in some ways, does their job even mm. and cadet is much harder to use yeah. you can make some really really disturbing combos with with cadets dying and uh, readying stuff but mm. um, 
it's it's definitely something that uh, you have to be aware of that and why Prospector is almost in a league of its own. There are some others that are just so good individually, but uh, I haven't seen. I think that many Prospector decks also go too hard on the Prospector generation, and they draw yeah. a bunch of cards that are very randomly distributed, and they don't mm-hmm. get. It's hard to say where the biggest threat from Wowie will come. Because mm. the you, thing is, the because the prospector deck that you just described, that was my deck that I took to yeah. nationals. It was 18, 18 token um, generation. It was a prospector. And um, it had Unfathomable, which came, the disruption came from, because Unfathomable disruption in Wowie is fantastic. Um, I really, really enjoy it. But again, this was the one that fell very easily to Kota. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, because you well, can't so guarantee of having no. any solutions. You don't have archiving. You you only no. have this. Some of my random prospectors died. Now I have a card, a hand with twelve cards, but I have like mm. four of each house, and none of them were the card I, I was looking for. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. And I just, I, I felt like there were so many times where I needed to have the answers and I didn't have the answers that I wanted when I needed them. Um, and even the Equidon ones, like, you know, the, there's always the payoff with Equidon. So you've always, there's the trade of giving giving them one in order to still giving them cards um, with the um, uh, closed door negotiation, for example. Like yep. you're giving them you're you're stealing now but you're giving them a hand up later on so the the question is 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 the payoff with equidon worth what you're getting and and it, again i would i would say that that card closed door negotiation is one of the biggest reasons why heist decks have become so good while mm. mm decks have not because that deck essentially says if you can draw another scaling ember control then my card was rendered like bad and any deck that were drawing cards means drawing into scaling Ember Control or Ember Control. Mm. Then suddenly closed door negotiation is pretty bad. But if closed door mm. negotiation is played into an MM deck that only just spews out more creatures or gets two more Ember pips, then all of a sudden that huge steal was probably worth it. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. And in many ways, closed door negotiation makes reactive decks better and proactive decks worse. Mm. And that is something I did not expect, but I like about what Winds of Exchange did. I thought that Crush decks would become even more dominant, but I really like that some of the best Bowie cards essentially gives reactive decks more chances to do their thing. Mm. Yeah. More more ways to draw the card they need. Yeah, like in Kota, you also have the Untamed, right? With the Hunting Witches, Full Moons. Yeah. So giving them each a bunch card of extra cards yeah. yeah. uh, is also quite a big risk so yeah that and that is uh, definitely nice i think that some of the best woe decks will probably have a lot of redundancy in their lineup the mm. one that has done best in testing for me right now is galen wishing well trader which has three generous offers and three gem code vendors so yeah you will get and it has very little uh, token generation so it has archiving, it has draw, and it has a lot of steel. Yeah. Mm. The tokens yeah, are only there are, to kill. I'm probably much like uh, the most scared about either, as you say, uh, some uh, some of the wins we change decks that are like consistent and have low token generation. Uh, but in terms of tokens, I think uh, some of the very rare but still uh, scholar decks out there with the uh, legionary trainers, I think they are uh, very very dangerous for the lineup I'm playing anyway, and for most decks really, like the ability to push Ember uh, while growing the board. Uh, I think it's yeah. it's better than delayed ones, delayed thing with the prospector, or the Brobnar thing that. Uh, relies on the opponent having a board in order to maximize yeah. uh, the, the, the fact that scholar mm. is in saurian is and in the house that can make things come in ready is is a huge boon i, I think the scholar yeah. is i think that some of the actually most powerful decks that we will see long term will probably include 
an archiving star alliance with Saurian with with scholars. Um, yeah. I have one really good scholar deck. Unfortunately, it has very low creature control. Otherwise, it would have been pretty good. Yeah. I'm thinking of including one deck um, in my lineup, possibly. Um, it has three legendary trainers, but it doesn't have scholar. It has senator, uh, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> but it still works quite reap, well. Yeah. Reap or taxing, yeah. But yeah. Uh, once again, before we have to start rounding off this episode, I just want to give some generic tips to people who are going into Hexad for the first time. And this I credit Lady Aurora with. She uh, wrote something on the Discord today that I really like. Don't just bring your six favorite decks. They are probably not synergistic enough. So think there are some things you should think about when going into the Hexad. Number one, what decks will get banned? Prepare to not play those decks. Don't spend the most time choosing your two best decks and which decks they are. Your two or three best decks will not be played much. One of them will be played, two of them will not. So if you can predict what decks will be banned most often, then you can start building a lineup that works together. I have Mm. failed multiple times by the fact that I have three really great decks. And then I pick the last three decks and they turn out to have this weakness where, for example, two of them are too specialized. So I sit there at the end with two choices and none of them are good against what they have. Like there are silver bullet decks. And that brings me to point number two. The first one is try to predict what they will ban. Second is don't bring too many decks that are answers to specific things. Don't have your one deck that is about only Quixelstone and answering boards. If it's bad against other stuff, you will Mm. sit there with that deck and your other worst deck in the end, not knowing which one you will pick. And the third one is focus most of your attention on your worst decks. They're the ones you will be playing the most. (laughs) Mm. That's really good advice. Uh, Maybe not the worst, but if you have the worst deck, then you will play your three remaining decks all the time. And then those three need to be decks that you that synergize well together, where you can ban for those three. So, if you are a new player in the league, you probably know that you have like one or two really dangerous decks. They will one of them will always be banned. So, go from that and look at what you will have left. What deck do you need to save if one of those two decks are banned, and so on, in order to give you the best matchups. And third. Use the first game in every matchup to prepare for the second and the third game. Don't try to go for the risky move worth getting three wins if you get the right like matchups. Instead, sometimes it's worse, worth playing your worst deck first if that means that you know what they played and can pick accordingly in game number two and three. I almost always try to go for wins on number two and three rather than number one. Uh, Especially when I feel like I have a weaker lineup. Because after game number one, you know more information about their deck. A lot of people, including Algernon here, likes to play high rolly decks on the first one and hope for a win. And if they lose, (laughs) they know more going into round two and three. So you will often see people play their rushy quotas and so on. The first thing they do and hope to get a coin flip victory and then they will go in. And I could hear the the, rec- the laugh of recognition here in the background. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's that. But also like if you, most people will play uh, the deck that they think have the best chance versus like the majority of decks they are facing, right? Yes. But knowing that, you can also make an educated guess on what your opponent would like to play first. And then play like, an extreme deck that, that is, yeah. Like a counter deck to what you expect them to play, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. If they have a specific deck that uh, does well versus three out of four. But bad versus the one. Maybe you do pick number four. Like, could yeah. be risky, uh, but uh, yeah, that's the beauty of the, the mind games. In yep. and, and even if it is risky, then you have secured your game two and three to be more predictable. You took a risk, maybe you lost it, but then you know more about how how they will go on from there. 
those are some of my my generic strategy tips going into the meta of uh, and always in in kfl really do we have any additional comments this was more of a recap episode of how to think of going into the hex set but i think that that's with a little extra spice from winds of exchange i think it's been really refreshing um i've been very quiet for the last probably 10 minutes so i've just been scrolling through my decks as you've been talking thinking okay what does this apply to have i missed anything else um I'm trying not to be blinded when it comes to SAS with Winds of Exchange because it's very difficult to get there. So, you know, and maybe that's something as well. Don't get too worried about the your SAS level with Winds of Exchange. Um, but I think the those two bits of advice in terms of the lineup and actually your your banning strategy, I really do agree with. I really like that advice. Um uh, there, I think I don't, I'm not sure if it both came from Lady Aurora or if some, if it was you as well as Aramis that you were just adding to it. But I think that's some really good advice. I hope to have helped some people feel a little more comfy. Yeah, going into this, especially for the nearly hundred brand like new players that we have. That's amazing in the league. Completely like crazy. we are like it's the biggest online league um, by far. Um, and it's such a fun community um, to be involved in. So if, if it's your first season, you are very, very welcome. And uh, please, please, please do not um, hesitate to ask any questions um, about about games. Um, and just, you know, put aside maybe at least two hours for your NKFL matches. <laughs> Um, yep. when, 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 when you play it, especially for your first ones, when it comes to banning and stuff, because the banning can take say 15 to 20 minutes to kind of go through there. And, you know, if you're playing against people who have played before, then some people really are like, you know, analyzing as much as they can. So, um, yeah. Um, at, but at the same time, um, use the timer in TCO, um, Indeed. so that you can. Um, go to time. It, it, are we, are we, is it on? Is it forty minutes? Thirty-five, forty minutes. I haven't. Re- I haven't read the last rule document. But no, I think okay. it's forty. Is it forty and minutes? I also think, yeah. like, since we have so many new players, we will also like possibly run into, uh, especially the lower divisions, where some people joining now will have very, very strong collections. We have, will also have quite a few people that are more casual, maybe just started to play the game. Um, and I just want to say, like, stay with it because uh, <laughs> you will have some some games maybe this season where you feel like I have no chance. Uh, but since it's a tiered system, we will eventually, like, those people with the strong collections will go up. You will uh, get uh, better, more, more um, even uh, matchups, more even matchups uh, go- coming forward. Yeah. Uh, so just stick with it, and you yeah. will. Uh, I hope. Yeah. And learn learn from every loss. Um yeah, and don't get disheartened if you lose um your first game uh three nil even if you're one of the better players um in in the world, you know, stick with it and keep playing. Um because it's enjoying um enjoying the game rather than just having to win everything. So um there's yeah, just a little bit of advice from a few um yeah. A few, a few, the, us, us that have been here, like I mean, I've been here seventeen years. Um, seventeen years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm on seventeen seasons now. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna. I mean, Carl, you've been here nearly 20, 20 years, and Simon, 20, you've, twenty-one uh, years. You want fifteen, uh, fourteen, fifteen seasons now? Uh, it's actually um, only thirteen. I think Sysox counted wrong somewhere. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, like you know, stick with it because the. For for us, the fun of Keyforge is playing in KFL because it's the strategy, it's it the is. selection and everything. It's the best. So yeah, welcome and um, don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the way I I will just say one small thing. I have unfortunately been quite like I have quite a lot of negative emotions around how the game is managed right now in the direction and so on. I. Per- will not be talking much about them, but one of the reasons why I decided to stick with it is because NKFL is just so fun. 
I love mm. picking decks for NKFL. I love testing strategy games against people. And we are old conservative curmudgeons. If there are any new fancy deck types that are being released that are better than others, trust me, Psysox will ban them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the good of the game. For the good of NKFL. Yes. That's what I mean. The NKFL yep. is the game. That is true. All right. Thank you so much for tonight, everyone. This was the Nordic Keyforge podcast. I am Zaramis. With me, I had Jason, the captain, and Good night. See you next time. You know where to find us. Good night. Thank you.